Gamble on, fellas. Gamble on. <laughs> Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, US Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by my co-host, US Bets Senior Analyst, Diamond Jeff Edelstein, the most obsessed Oscars better I know. Uh, the nominations are out. Some of your bets are looking promising. Some of them are losers already. Look, Oscars betting is all well and good, but when are we getting Oscars DFS? It shouldn't be that hard to assign prices, make it so you can only afford two or three favorites in your lineup. I guess the problem is scoring. Either you get one point or zero points for each roster spot, and that'll mean lots of ties. Jeff, am I on to anything here? Is is there a way to make this work? And just in general, how are you feeling about the Oscar nominations? Remember during COVID, FanDuel was doing like Survivor DFS? I do, yes. That was fun. They made Uh that work. So, you know, I think I actually won a little bit of money doing that. But yeah, so let's 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 make DFS Oscars. I'm in. I mean, listen, as far as I'm concerned, DFS is like uh salt. You know, it's good on everything. You know, <laughs> you can't go wrong. Uh so yeah, Oscar Duel, Draft Academy, whatever whatever you want to do, secure some funding, you know, I I'm in. You know, I, but but for real though, as for, I am a big Oscar better. I love betting the Oscars. I love betting information markets. Uh Lil Sadden, Danielle Deadweiler didn't get nominated. That was right. I, I had I had some nice long shot bets on her. But listen, there's still, you know, it looks as if right now, like if if everything was done today, like everything everywhere all at once is going to like sweep. But listen, this time last year, literally like a month before the awards, Coda was a 20 to one long shot to win Best Picture. Right. So things things can change. The one I'll tell you what movie you want on my dark horse this year. Sure. All Quiet on the Western Front. Mm, Okay. German language plus thirty five hundred. You heard it here first, and probably last. <laughs> okay. Um, before I get into uh, any of my Oscars thoughts, uh, the, your comment about uh, salt is good on everything, does that mean you're one of those people who is a big fan of the salted caramel? Yeah, uh, salt is good on everything. I stand by my statement. See, I, ask me, name a food, and I'll tell you if salt's good on it. Yeah, well, first of all, is there at least a limit where you'll say, oh, so that's too salty? You can put too much salt on something? Yes, things can be too salty. Okay. You want you want something to be just salty enough that you say this is just salty enough. <laughs> All right, I'm glad you at least uh, will acknowledge there's a limit to the salt. But I'm one of the I love caramel, always have, and I'm not anti-salted caramel, but I definitely think the caramel is better without the salt. I, I don't I don't want salt getting in there making my caramel less caramelly. Disagree. Okay. Next. <laughs> I don't. I don't know how we can continue to podcast together after uh, <laughs> after this. So, um, so I have almost no opinions about anything with these Oscars, um, just because as of now I've seen two movies that are nominated for anything, and they are Top Gun Maverick, which was great for what it was, but shouldn't be winning Best Picture or anything, and Glass Onion, which was solid and fun, and that's that. The only other movie I started to watch was Everything Everywhere All at Once. I watched the first twenty five minutes or so. I wasn't into it. I guess I wasn't on enough drugs. Uh, it, it wasn't making sense. And I know that's sort of the point of the movie, but I wasn't compelled enough by any of it to persevere through the confusion. I like weird and trippy, but I like it as a side dish to something that makes sense. Um, maybe I need to give it another try, but I don't know. I, I've actually talked to three people about it 
and all three said they thought the movie was mediocre at best. But, you know, look, plenty of bad movies have won Oscars. I mean, Million Dollar Baby was an absolute garbage movie, and it won Best Picture over freaking Sideways, one of one of the greatest movies of modern times. So I'm mostly numb to it at this point. I, I guess I will just root for you to win your bets and be done with it, uh, unless I can play Oscars DFS, of course. I, again, I'm in for Oscars DFS. Oscar right. Duel, there's, there's your name. Oh, yeah, perfect. All right, it's done. All right. Thank you to everyone for joining us for episode number 226 of Gamble On. Coming at you one day earlier than usual because I have Thursday scheduling conflicts this week. If you missed any of our previous 225 episodes, they're all available on Megaphone, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other podcast apps. Please give us a five-star rating or, because we're talking movies, give us two thumbs up. I, I miss Siskel and Ebert. Am I, am I the hey. Siskel or the Ebert of this duo, Jeff? Uh, I think you're the Siskel. Okay. I think if I if, if we had to go one way or the other, I mean he Siskel just seemed more grounded. Okay, uh, Ebert was prone to flights of fan. I think yeah, I think <laughs> I heard Ebert liked salt on everything. Uh, <laughs> and you saw where it got him. Uh, all right, listen, coming up a little bit later, we're going to be joined by professional sports better Rufus Peabody talking Buddhism, talking Super Bowl betting, talking a lot of stuff. But uh, before we get to that, Eric, of course, as always, plenty of news to discuss. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week, an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling. Since it's only been six days since our last podcast, we're a little light on news, but our lead story this week would be major news any week of the year. There is legit movement on the New York State iGaming front. Last week, Assemblyman J. Gary Pretlow introduced a bill to legalize online poker, and his Senate colleague, uh, one-time Gamble On guest Joe Adabo, told U.S. Bets that he would be filing an online casino bill soon. As we record this, feels like an any-minute-now situation. A year ago, New York became the biggest state by population to offer mobile sports betting, and it would instantly become the biggest online casino or online poker state if it legalizes either activity. But New York isn't the only state getting moving on this. On Friday, Indiana State Representative Ethan Manning filed a bill to legalize both online casino and poker, which could potentially go live as early as September 1st if the legislation passes. This is the third year in a row an online casino bill has been filed in Indiana, and the previous two didn't get out of committee. But there seems to be more optimism this year. Uh, Jeff, any hunches about whether one of these states will legalize online casino and or poker this year? And what would it mean to the whole gambling industry if iCasino comes to New York? Yeah, well, I, you know, I it's starting to feel like New York really is on the path to getting this done sooner rather than later. I mean, from, you know, in my discussions with uh, Mr. Congressman, Senator, whatever you want to call him, Abado. Abado. Uh, <laughs> Adabo. I can't even, uh, thank on. you. Get get the consonants in the in the right order, Jeff. There's a lot of consonants. There's <laughs> there a lot are. of consonants. Um, <laughs> No, but it seems like there's, he has a friendly uh, governor's office this time around, mm. uh, and you know they, you know, it's going to be hard to like, you know, the the money that they made that they're making in tax money on sports betting is going to be is huge, and it'll pale in comparison to what they're going to make in I Casino. Yep. Uh, if you judge it like by other states, um, I kind of think New York is going to get it done. Uh, Indiana, I don't know, but I, I feel New York has a pretty good shot of getting it done this year. And I'll tell you, if they do, I, you got to imagine other state legislatures, you know, now that the COVID money is drying up and they're going to need to make some bank, you know, they're going to see this and it's 
you know, that I, I really think the only way I casino gets passed in any other state going forward is because it's like, wow, we can make a lot of money here, you know, because it's just not a lot of stakeholders outside of the casinos themselves. And right. in some cases, the casinos themselves don't even want it because they think it might, you know, take away from their brick and mortar. So but if New York passes, I think a lot of eyeballs are going to be on it very quickly. Yeah, it's it's a great point. Uh, if New York passes, it, it could really shake up everything elsewhere. Um, I'll just give a few quick notes on Indiana first before moving to the, the big topic, uh, which is New York. Just from reading Chris Altruda's article, Breaking It Down, um, he noted that like in New Jersey, each licensee would get three skins, which would mean up to 36 online casino sites in Indiana. I think that should be enough. Uh, there would be a 20% tax rate, which is up from 18% in the previous year's bill, uh, but still short of the 28% that they use in Michigan. And apparently Indiana has a longer legislative calendar in 2023 than it did the previous two years, hence the cautious optimism that something could get done. But uh, yeah, certainly the big story here is New York, which, look, New Jersey has online casino and poker. Pennsylvania has online casino and poker. Physical casinos are coming to New York City. There's every reason to think that opposition to online casino in the state has faded and, and these bills can pass. And um to me, as an online poker player, I'm a little focused on, on that. What a huge potential game changer it is there. Uh, if New York legalizes online poker and then allows interstate player pooling, now we're talking about enough players for tournaments to have huge prize pools, for sit and goes to fill immediately, for high stakes cash games to run, and so forth. This would be a tipping point for online poker to start to matter again. You know, it, it won't generate the coverage or the revenue that sports betting or iCasino do. You know, there isn't quite another poker boom coming, but New York would push it back into relevance, and New York is home to a lot of top poker players. This would be a big deal. Uh, I, I don't know. Did you ever get into the online poker thing, Jeff? Were you playing no, it all in the early 2000s? I didn't. I no. didn't. No. Right. I, I, uh, th 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 those are shallow times for my game. It was strictly, you know, season-long fantasy football. <laughs> okay. It probably a good thing because due to your nickname, Diamond Jeff, you probably would have like gone crazy anytime you got dealt two diamonds or whatever I, and, and misplayed them. The truth of the matter is I am uh, a terrible online poker player. I, 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 I have I don't have the patience to sit there and grind, you know. Okay. And so like I invariably every I've tried you know, I've played a little bit. Right. I invariably just like, Oh, I'm I'm all in, you know. And, <laughs> Just, are you any are you any more patient in a live setting or same deal? You after well, a few hands, you you just start going nuts. Uh, the times that I've actually gone to Atlantic City to do it, I haven't done it in like probably twenty years. Right. I start shake. I'm nervous. I'm shaking. So <laughs> okay. I, yeah, I, I'm not. I am not a. You know, I, I used to play poker all the time with my buddies, but you know, like you know, quarter nickel stuff. You know, right. so uh, but yeah, I am. Uh, you know, know your strengths, and my strength is not at the poker table. Then that's for sure. All right. Yeah. Good. Good that you know your strengths and. Uh... Boy, I really want to play poker against you for high stakes now. <laughs> now I might be, you know, I might be sandbagging you here. You don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, somehow I doubt it. I think <laughs> I think I've got you red on this one. <laughs> All right, our second story is a straight sports betting story, focusing on a line move in a major game. As the Bengals Bills game was winding down on Sunday, and it was clear the Bengals were going to win, sportsbooks started posting lines on a Chiefs Bengals AFC Championship game. Most of them with the Chiefs favored by two and a half points. Superbook had the Chiefs by three. Uh, some only had them by one and a half, but everywhere you looked, the Chiefs were favored. And within minutes, the lines were moving. Most books closed by a point or two over the rest of the evening Sunday. By Monday morning, Circa had flipped the Bengals to two and a half point favorites. And soon other books followed. Now it's Bengals by a point or two at almost every book. 
The big variable here is Patrick Mahomes' ankle. He suffered a high ankle sprain against Jacksonville on Saturday, came out of the game for a couple of drives, went to the locker room and got taped up and presumably shot up as well, and played the second half, but was purely a pocket passer, not attempting to run or roll out at all. He played brilliantly from the pocket. The Chiefs won, but didn't cover, because they're the Chiefs, and that's what they do. And the sportsbooks initially seemed to view this as just a one-point or two-point injury, only to learn that the public viewed it as about a five-point injury. I have pretty strong feelings about this game and this opening line, but let me get yours first, Jeff. Did the sportsbooks screw up, or is the betting public about to go down in flames on this one? You know, I think they might have screwed up, and maybe not for the right reasons here. I mean, I think the Bengals are just a, right now an objectively better team. Yeah. Uh, offensively, they're equal, if not better, than the Chiefs, I think. And the Bengals' defense is markedly better than the Chiefs. And I'm going to put this in quotation marks, defense. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I think it might have less to do with, Mahomes, with the Mahomes injury and more to do with the fact that perhaps sharp money is going to be back in the Bengals. Um, I think once we find out that Mahomes is definitely, like, going to be – good to go, whatever, that the line will start creeping back towards the Chiefs. I wouldn't be surprised if it ends at Bengals, like, given two-and-a-half-point territory. Now, keep in mind, I'm an idiot. I know nothing. But, uh, yeah, I I, kind of think the Bengals are just the better team here. Yeah, I I don't disagree with you. Um, I was listening to the the Action Network podcast, The Favorites, yesterday, and uh, Simon Hunter, who's a pro better who talks to a lot of other pro betters, He said on there uh, that uh, this opening line, this is a line that could get bookmakers fired. That's how bad he thought it was. Um, Hmm. I was amazed myself. So before the Bengals and Bills played each other, just having watched Mahomes in the second half against the Jags, I was thinking about ways to bet on Bengals or Bills to advance to the Super Bowl. But I wasn't confident enough in who would win Bengals Bills. so, So I didn't place any bets. But with like two minutes to go, In that game, when it was totally out of reach and the Bengals uh, were were clearly going to win, I checked FanDuel and they had a lineup already on Chiefs Bengals and the Bengals were plus 124 on the money line. And I was just in shock Um, to me. I'd be betting Bengals plus 124 with a totally healthy Mahomes because, yeah, like you said, uh, they may just be the better team. Joe Burrow is three and oh against the Chiefs. Uh, The last two regular seasons, they've played each other and Bengals won. They also, of course, won the AFC championship game last year. They were all close games, but Burrow's just playing so damn well right now. uh, And he has this, I would say, meaningful history of, of, of having their number. I couldn't believe it was plus 124. Unfortunately, by the time I managed to log in, uh, stupid multi-factor authentication, uh, it was already down to plus 114. But still, I bet that for about two and a half times my typical bet size. And uh, like a half hour later, the Bengals were minus 102. Um, I'm not saying with certainty that the Bengals will win. Anything can happen. The Chiefs are a, a top team. The Bengals do still have their offensive line health issues. You know, the Chiefs could well win and, and even cover the initial two and a half points for all I know. But this was a really bad opening line in my view. I mean, I'm 98% confident Mahomes is going to play. But yeah, with everything I know about high ankle sprains, he's not going to be feeling any better than he was in the second half last week. He'll probably be feeling worse. I'd be shocked if he scrambled at all. I'd be surprised if he even really rolled out at all. I'll get into it some more in the bankroll segment, but... Yeah, this is this is a terrible line. It's it's like the bookmakers hanging the line thought this was a nothing injury. Um, but, you know, we'll see. Maybe maybe they'll get rich off this or richer uh, off this. But 
with the way the Bengals looked in Buffalo, combined with the Mahomes injury and, and the recent Bengals Chiefs history, I was logging on expecting Bengals minus two or minus three from the jump. Yeah, I I would say I was probably expecting the same. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, obviously anything can happen on the football field. And, you know, the game's in Kansas City. And, you know, right. while the Bengals have won the last three, they were behind, like, most of the games and all of them. So you know, I, I I'm not I'm not going to put that much stock in the history here. But I the Bengals they have like a little bit of like a you know Darth Vader entering like you know Princess Leia's starship feel to them right now because like you know like after Demar Hamlin like the Bengals kind of you know and again like football takes such a far back seat to you know that that, right. that what happened on the field but they really kind of got the raw end of the deal here, you know, mm-hmm. when it came to like, you know, seating and, and, you know, where, you know, they could have ended up with the home field. Right. But, uh, so I don't know. I, I think that, that I don't know if they're playing with a chip on their shoulder as much as they're playing with the, like, don't forget about us on their shoulder. Right. And, uh, I don't know. I, I'll be I, at this point, I'll be surprised to see him lose. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm in the same boat. I'm liking, uh, Knockwood. I'm liking our bankroll bets. Uh, although, you know, depending on uh, who, if they reach the Super Bowl, there's a certain team they'd be up against that's going to make it impossible for me to, but to root for the Bengals and our bankroll at that point. But uh, we'll uh, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Uh, for our third story this week, let's return to an ongoing topic in the casino world, one we haven't discussed in a little while: uh, smoking in casinos, and specifically the fight over whether to ban smoking at Atlantic City's casinos. Last week, the United Auto Workers Union, which represents more than 1,200 Atlantic City casino workers, sent its latest letter to the heads of the House and Senate in New Jersey, pushing them to move forward with votes on the bills to ban smoking in casinos, saying, quote, there is no doubt they would pass easily. Uh, Folks on the other side of this argument say the casinos will lose business if they ban smoking, but there's research indicating that's not the case. It depends on who you believe, basically. Uh, Jeff, you live in New Jersey. Uh, I presume you have more smoking experience than I do, since I, believe it or not, have never smoked a tobacco cigarette in my life. Uh, what's your take on all this? Do you have a strong position on either side? And any sense of what it's going to take to actually get smoking banned in Atlantic City in 2023? Yeah, I, I do believe you when you say you've never had a cigarette. I, I've had about 30,000 of them. So <laughs> I, I do speak with some experience, unfortunately. Okay. Uh, you know, it's funny. I... I, you know, I've spent an entire career being like an opinion generator, you know, newspaper columnist, talk radio host. Right. Uh, so I'm I'm used to having strong opinions, giving strong opinions. Incredibly, I have strong opinions on this on both sides. Okay. <laughs> okay. On the anti-smoking side, it is ridiculous that Atlantic City got this carve out to begin with. You can't smoke inside anywhere in right. New Jersey, but you also can't smoke outside anywhere in New Jersey, like on most, you know, <laughs> public or state-owned land. You can't smoke in a park. You want to go to a beach, you, you know, you're cordoned off. You can't smoke anywhere. The fact that Atlantic City got has gotten away with this for so long is ridiculous, right? So yeah, there's no way that there should be smoking allowed inside of Atlantic City casinos. However, on the other side of this, I also am a big believer, like, you know, in America, kind of, and that businesses should kind of be able to do whatever it is they please, considering tobacco is, last I checked, still a legal product. Right. No one's forcing the casino workers to work there. No one is forcing the customers to gamble there. You know, you want to be a non-smoking casino? Be a non-smoking casino. You want to be a smoking casino? Be a smoking casino. You know, you know and as, as, as far as I'm concerned, I don't care either way. I don't smoke anymore. And I, I I hate casinos because I always lose whenever I walk into one. So <laughs> win, win, lose, lose. I don't care. Either way, I'm good. 
<laughs> Those are good uh, good arguments for both sides. I I'm now envisioning a new TV show, a first take type thing, but it's just you <laughs> debating with yourself, yourself taking right. both sides. Yeah. I could just sit this one out. You you want to make a counter argument? Um, but both arguments I think are legitimate. You know, it yeah. just depends on which side you're coming down on. I you know, I, it's just I really do hate the idea of the government coming down on business on an illegal product. You know, like if seriously, if you own a restaurant, you should, own a bar, you should be allowed to allow smoking. Then it's up to me as a customer or as an employee if I want to work or, or visit you. You know? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I I, I see that case and and like so you know with that in mind. Honestly, like, let's say I'm running one of the Atlantic City casinos. Let's say I'm, I'm running the Hard Rock, which is, you know, doing well, but not the number one casino in the city. That's Borgata. Every casino in the city allows smoking. I wonder if this is the time to very publicly announce we're the only smoke-free casino in the city. You know, that would seem to me to be a great move for business. And then if a bunch follow and, you know, a year from now, eight of the nine are smoke-free and there's just one left that allows smoking, then that one probably does good business because they're the only one that allows smoking. But I, I think that there's, you know, I'm just not sure which side in a vacuum is, is actually better or worse for business. Um, I know that, you know, I personally dislike the smell of cigarette smoke. I don't like being around it. So uh, I, I know which, which kind of casino I choose, but and there's, I guess, the big thing coming from this uh, this group, uh, Americans for Non-Smokers' Rights. Uh, they're really trying to put it through the perspective of the dealers. Um, yep. That you know, if I were a dealer at a casino, I certainly wouldn't like to have to sometimes be rotated into the smoking section and have no choice about it, um, other than to quit my job. Which you know, that's kind of a weak argument. Say, well, quit your job. You know, you got to work. Um, the argument that uh, the Atlantic City casinos have been making that uh, if you ban smoking, all our customers will go to Philly, that's flawed since the two casinos in Philly have voluntarily banned smoking. I, I think it's one of those things where roughly, you know, give or take a few hundred people or whatever, the customers you'll lose because they want to smoke balances out with the customers you'll gain because they want to go somewhere smoke free. I, I really can't figure out which which is actually the better move from a business perspective. Yeah, I I, I think in law, I mean, I think it's coming like the smoke frequency. I mean, it's going to happen, I think, eventually in New Jersey. And I think it's going to happen eventually everywhere just because smoking is just not, you know, people, kids that don't smoke anymore. You know, younger, you know, the younger generation is like not a smoking generation. You know, when I was, you know, when I was growing up, 80s, 90s, everyone smoked, you know, still like, even though like you except knew it was me. bad for it, except you. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I, everyone is obviously a hyperbole, but like, right. you know, it, it wasn't so shocking. You know, now right. it's like it is it is rare to see someone 20 years old with a cigarette in their mouth, like walking yep. around the streets, you know. So, yeah. And when I when I do see someone and this has been true for, you know, even 10 or 15 years, maybe that I see someone in their 20s or 30s or whatever smoking. I'm just kind of flabbergasted in the sense of like. How did you even get started on that? That it, yeah. it just uh, it doesn't quite make sense to me that anyone would e would even give it a try. These, but then again, I'm someone who never gave it a try, so maybe I'm not the right person to. to oh, they're outstanding. They're absolutely. I highly recommend it. <laughs> you know, I full I fir firmly plan on starting again once I hit like 80, 82 years old. Because what's okay. the point? What's the difference? You know, right. That's a good attitude. I, I you know. so I grew. Both of my parents smoked when I was a kid. Although my mom quit when I was real young. My dad kept smoking at least into my late teens maybe and i remember him like trying to quit a few times and then he finally did but so i think that also influenced me that For i'm sure. growing up watching my parents 
both trying to quit. Uh, and so I was that much more inspired. Why even smoke a cigarette? That's but. fair. But it's such, my parents didn't smoke. But it's I mean, what a different world we grew up. I mean, we're close enough in age. I mean, yeah. I'm sure I'm, you made an ashtray in art class in second grade, right? <laughs> right. Yes, I definitely made <laughs> made some ashtrays. Yeah, I guess they're not doing that anymore. They are about not that. making ashtrays. My kids have not brought home any ashtrays. Absolutely not. It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble On interview. Our guest this week is a man who chooses not to stand alone. He is the co-founder of Unabated, along with Captain Jack Andrews. He is the co-host of the Bet the Process podcast alongside Jeff Ma. He is one half of Massey Peabody Analytics, founded with Cade Massey. And he was even reluctant to have the spotlight all to himself at the end of the first DraftKings Sports Betting National Championship, making the magnanimous decision not to finish in first place while he waited for his bets to get graded. Uh, he is, of course, professional sports better, Rufus Peabody. Rufus, welcome back to Gamble On. Hey, thanks, guys. It's it's good to be back. Yeah, thanks for uh, taking some time to chat with us. Now, now I represent one-seventh of the Bet the Process audience, and uh, your podcast made me some money this year because I don't follow college football at all, but every so often you would note that what you make the line on a game was like eight or 10 points different from the actual line. So I bet those whenever it was that wide and they won every time. It was a small sample size. I think we're talking four or five bets, but still. Um, so I have a few questions. Um, how does that happen with college football that the odds makers can be that far off? Do you find discrepancies that wide with any other sports? And when you see a gap like that, do you ever worry they may be right? My system may be flawed if we're this far off. Uh, that's a great question. First off, you know, don't expect to hit those all the time. Um, <laughs> those are being eight to 10 points off is cl clearly the exception. That doesn't happen every, I mean, that doesn't happen every week necessarily. Uh, if it does, maybe a game or two, but I, I wouldn't say it's that the odds makers are that far off. It's that maybe I'm picking up on something that they're not. And the, the truth, hopefully if my model provides some value, the truth is somewhere in the middle. And so that's kind of, I mean, no, no model knows absolutely everything, especially a quantitative model where we're looking at, at things mostly at a team level. And so there's a lot of injury stuff that we're not going to be accounting for. And so we are, we're hoping to add value to the, the market number rather than assuming our number is hundred percent correct and the market's worth nothing. So I would never be, I would never book bets necessarily at my number, but uh, we've had a few of those. We were right this year, so that was that was nice. With the, especially the national championship game, right? And does that happen in other sports sometimes that you'll find a gap that wide, or is it kind of is it something sort of unique to college football that that there can be that big a discrepancy in what you're seeing versus what they're seeing or what your model's seeing? Um, there occasionally I'm off way off market in other sports, and. You know, let's say, I mean, even college basketball, if I make a total 152 and the market is 160, that's eight points off. That actually corresponds to, I mean, given how much each half point's worth, you know, that's saying that, oh, wow, we think it's a 70% chance that's going to go under or something like that, which, you know, we don't actually think there's a 70% chance. So I, I, it definitely varies from sport to sport. But when you have, when you are very, very far off, it's definitely worth taking a closer look. Those are the games that kind of scare you the most where hmm. you're like, there's probably something we're, we're not seeing that's fundamentally like 
different. And so um, there, you want to see this relationship where as your predicted edge, your alleged edge, I guess, based on your number goes up, uh, you expect to actually return more, right? Like that's, that's kind of the, any good model, that's going to be the case. But there's a point where your predicted edge gets like too big and you're like, okay, there's something fishy here. That's, that's not going to be just a function of like, maybe I'm picking up on these things that the market isn't. It's there, there might, there's probably something fundamentally you're not accounting for. So that the, when you do see a really, really big edge, that's when you kind of take a look and be like, okay, what could I be missing here? All right, enough of the science talk. Uh, you know, Rufus, we've, we've talked about, me and you have talked about this before, but I, I'd, like, I'd love to crystallize it here. And this is probably the question I should have asked you exactly this way a couple months back. So as simple as you can phrase it, how has Buddhism changed your approach to gambling, to sports betting? Buddhism has made me more process-oriented, and it has helped me better cope with the ups and downs it's allowed me to sort of stay level and it's given me the tools to basically weather whatever storm comes. And you feel, that. you feel like you actually feel physically that difference now, like to, to, you know, to, to when you lose your, the highs aren't as high, the lows aren't as low. Certainly. I mean, I, I do feel the difference, but it's a work in progress. I'm a work in progress. It's, it's never perfect, but I, I think leaning into those feelings when I do feel low, makes them a lot more tolerable. I think the problem is so often we tend to run from those feelings and say, I'm not supposed to get down when thing, you know, I'm not supposed to be upset about this bet losing. And so you're kind of fighting yourself versus if you say, okay, I'm feeling disappointed right now. When you do that, when you lean into that disappointment, suddenly it no longer becomes disappointment. And I, I can't explain why that happens. It's like some sort of magic, but that's, that is what happens for me. Is it like, being present in the moment like in that way you're like giving voice to whatever's happening at that moment in time is that i'm trying because i'm trying hard and failing at every turn to be a good <laughs> that, that's definitely way. part of it but right right to to but but to sort of be aware of what you're feeling i think that's the hardest thing to say right now like like maybe a friend hits a a, a big bet that you missed out on and you you might feel a pang of jealousy and you don't want to be like you don't want to say oh i i feel jealous because my friend won and I didn't, but maybe if you, but you probably feel a little bit of that maybe. I mean, I've certainly had those feelings before. And if I kind of can say, this is what I'm feeling now, suddenly it, 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 I don't know, you're, you're not running from anything anymore. And so you're, I'm not sure how to better say it than that, but right. um, I, I just know for me being able to sort of, imp- to lean into sort of the tougher feelings and the tougher emotions has really helped. Excellent. All right. All right. Um, so, uh, as I mentioned, when, uh, introducing you, uh, you got this, uh, this unabated thing, uh, going, um, what's been the biggest surprise, the, the biggest eye opener, either positive or negative about running unabated. Is there something that's happened in operating this site that, that you didn't see coming? I mean, pretty much all of it, I'd say <laughs> <laughs> I I'd never been involved with the starting a business before really in being in the, involved in, well, in the day-to-day or at least a business that's sort of consumer facing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and working with the team. Uh, and so I'm just a part, I'm just one part of it, but I've had to wear different hats than I wore ever before. And that's been a big challenge for me. I've realized that I'm not very good at managing people and it's very difficult for me to do that, especially when I'm juggling all these other things. And so I'm not very good at it. Um, 
And I don't, and, and I've realized I don't actually enjoy managing people very much. <laughs> and so luckily we're, you know, the other guys are, are putting me in a position where I don't have to do that as much and where I can kind of capitalize on, on my strengths. And I do think it's interesting. I mean, I, I've always, I've always been fascinated by sort of the people analytics. Cade Massey runs or co organizes the people analytics conference every year at Wharton. And I've been able to go a number of years because, because of him, that's him and Adam Grant, who's also very, very well-known guy, but the, just how organizations function is really interesting to me. And it's, I feel like I, I feel like I honestly haven't, I haven't done, done as much as I'd like to in terms of helping the organization. Um, so that's, I mean, I, part of, part of the problem is I think I kind of hold myself to this sort of unrealistic expectation that I can do all these things, but it is interesting how if somebody's good at something like in general, they get promoted where they're managing other people doing the thing they were doing initially and which is a very different skill set. And so just because I'm good at building models doesn't mean I'm good at managing people, building models necessarily. Right. And so it's, um, nor does it mean that's what I enjoy doing. <laughs> Personally, right. I like getting down and dirty with the data more and, and having ideas. And and so that's, um, I know I'm kind of rambling on here and going off on a tangent, but I think the, so the, the, it, it's, it was a big adjustment in general for me. I'll say that. And I'm learning from it. And I think that, and, and we're all learning together as a team. I can assure you you're no worse a manager than I was. I was a city editor at the Trentonian newspaper and I was charged with firing uh, you know, somebody. And I brought her into the conference room and I sat her down. I said, I'm sorry, Michelle, you know, it's not working out. We got to let you go. By the end of the conversation, I rehired her at a different position. I, I was going to say, it. did you give her a promotion? I mean, Basically. I mean, if she sold herself that well, she clearly, I know, couldn't do did, it. Did she work in, did you, did you rehire her in sales? No, she went from like ah. being like a reporter to being an editor. I forget how much damage could she do as an editor. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what I, I'd say the other thing that's hard is that we're doing something consumer facing and success isn't really, defi- it's easy for me to measure success in betting with, when I build a model and you know I have that scoreboard and right. success is a lot more nuanced. It's building, a, I, I enjoy building interesting, unique products that allow people to, that add value to betters. And the ones I especially like are the ones that people can make a part of their process. So not necessarily saying this is what you should do, but saying, oh, you can integrate your, you can integrate your power ratings and then run the simulator, the NFL season simulator and compare the odds and, you know, figure out which futures bet to place, et cetera. But it's, I enjoy that, but, but I guess with the business, like, you have a bottom line, which doesn't just come from how good your product is. It comes from how good you can market it and sell it and all those things, which I feel like I don't have a lot of control over. So I kind of have to just, fo- I guess it's the same as anything else though. You have to focus on what you can control. Right. And and has it taken away at all from your sports betting focus? Has, has your sports betting suffered at all because you are part one of the managers of Unabated, would you say? Oh, I'm sure it has. I mean, just because I only have so many hours in the day and and I only have so many things I can devote my bandwidth to. And so, and I'm, I'm somebody that struggles to, to manage a lot of things at the same time. I, I think my superpower is being able to sort of hyper-focus on one thing mm. and just give it my all and just go, go with that one thing, then come up for air and be done with it. 
And so it's a lot harder for me to switch back and forth between different things. And so, again, as I said to you guys before this uh, off air, I'm working on making some changes so that I can, I think, be my be at my best for everything I'm involved in and try, trying to find a way that I can make these things work together. But the, I mean, the short answer is yes, just because anything that takes my time away from, from or gives me fewer hours to devote to something is going to definitely impact it in some way. Right. Speaking about drilling down on one topic or one, one item, can you describe the madness that you rained down upon yourself uh, over the two week period leading up to the Super Bowl? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, um, it's exhausting. It's exhilarating. I need another E word. <laughs> Exasperating perhaps. Yeah, okay. maybe. I mean, at times for sure, <laughs> but you know, it's a process of coming up with these projections and, and then it's a logistical nightmare in my opinion of trying to coordinate um, myself and other people have the cash ready to bet at different places and, and the whole process of, of, of betting. And so it's, it's something that takes a bunch of hours. And to be honest this year, I have, I basically haven't done any prep yet. And I was actually thinking about skipping the Super Bowl this year just because wow. I've just breaking news. so much. I know I've, I've, <laughs> I've been, I've been kind of overwhelmed with everything I have on my plate. And if you think about it, I mean, yes, we're getting seven figures down and, but the amount we're betting on the Super Bowl relative to just a regular week isn't right that crazy. And so it might make up, I mean, it'll, it'll certainly make up like less than like 2% of our yearly volume. Hmm. And it's a one-off where I'm, I'm putting in a lot of effort on something that isn't going to compound really, you know, the, do you, do you feel, months, do so. you feel that the edges in the Super Bowl markets are better for, for you just because there's so many and like, they can't be right on everything. There are edges, but I will say that legalization has made the pricing on game props. The will this team score three unanswered scores? Will there be a score in the last two minutes of the first half? Will, you know, all those types of bets. Um, first team to 10 points. Will there be a scoreless quarter? Those types of bets are, are they're not the same edges there used to be there simply because books are booking them every single week. Mm-hmm. There, And so in general, what I've found is the edges early on in the week aren't what they used to be, what I'd call the gravy. There's not as much gravy, but there are very significant edges very close to the Super Bowl. So it seems like more and more of our betting is, is being done the day of Super Bowl. <laughs> Whereas before it kind of skewed more towards early when books were coming out. So I think a lot of it's the public driving up these prices on public players and things like that. And so we're coming in late uh, and the sports books are kind of hoping that our bets win because, you know, we're, we're, we're essentially helping them manage that liability in a way. All right. Fascinating. Sitting at the Super Bowl. I feel, I, I'm i a little sweaty <laughs> just hearing that. I mean, my God. Yeah. What, what are the chances that you actually w- think you may sit out the Super Bowl? Well, I think what's more likely to happen is that I just don't do anything the first week. Right. Okay. And devote my energy where I guess my, in a way that is more optimal, which is less time early in the week and, and kind of just stuff at the very end. So you had to go and ask that question. We had the headline. Peabody says no Super Bowl betting. <laughs> I can. Well, I the know. beauty of editing, I can, <laughs> I, I can cut decided, that part. 
it, it's going to depend on how I feel. Probably, I I, yeah. I was going to make a decision by now, but <laughs> it, it is. I probably shouldn't. Just I mean, it it just because of all the work and time that's going to go into it, and, and and what it takes away from other things. But I think I said this before. It's kind of in my DNA, so there's no way I'm not going to have some not going to have action in the Super Bowl. I was going to say, fa- fast forward three weeks, headline, Peabody wins three million Super Bowl profit. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, I bet that the game would be exactly like 38 to 19. Right. Yeah. I think that's the only 19. way to win three million. 38-19, writing that down. <laughs> yes, write it down. <laughs> Which side? NFC, AFC? Who's I, up? I was who's... trying to pick some esoteric number that like has never occurred. Maybe that yeah. has happened. I don't know if that's the score got me or sure. not. Uh, it could be a, first, could be a Super, Super Bowl score got me. My first Super Bowl ever in Vegas – was Steelers Cardinals and I was working at LVSC at the time. I think it was Brian Blessing who came around and got everybody's predictions for the score. And I said, I said twenty seven to twenty three Steelers. <laughs> and that ended up being the exact score. Wow. Beginners I didn't have any money on that, but I <laughs> I was still I don't think anybody realized the next Monday in the office. I was like, Brian, take a look at the scores. It's <laughs> like what? Yeah. Uh, by the way, I have to say the highlight of this conversation it was about this was about five minutes ago. Uh, Rufus was finishing an answer and Jeff started talking over top of him. And it, it's just something about guys named Jeff interrupting you, Rufus. What, what's up with that? <laughs> I don't know. So I actually was out. I, I, I spent the weekend with Jeff this past week. He turned 50. That would be uh, Jeff Ma, not Jeff. Jeff Ma. Yeah, right. different Jeff. But <laughs> uh, yeah, there were it, it was a fantastic, a fantastic birthday celebration. Yeah, I think I did. I see a Twitter photo of you guys golfing. Was that a part of the celebration? That was that was before the celebration. But we okay. played in Napa at Silverado North Course, which hosts the Fortinet Championship. And Jeff has played there a few times. It was my first time. Ah, and uh, how how did you find it? And how did you do relative to Jeff? So I hadn't picked up a golf club since September. So I'm making excuses here. <laughs> and, and, Obviously, you and, didn't and win. Also, okay. And also, I hadn't logged like my last few rounds of the year, which were crap rounds, of course. And uh, but Jeff still held me to my handicap, despite the fact that he's taking <laughs> taking lessons twice a week now. And so uh, Jeff Jeff won. Um, he ended up winning by one in our match play event. Actually, he won two and one. So it was decided going into the last hole. But but I birdied the last hole, so that was nice. There you go. I, I don't there even you. know what I actually shot. I had two birdies and a lot of a lot of bogeys and double bogeys mostly. All right, we've really uh, covered uh, just about everything uh, in the, in this chat. Uh, went some places I wasn't necessarily expecting it to go, but uh, uh, I'll let uh, everyone know, of course, that uh, you can find Rufus on Twitter at Rufus Peabody, uh, unabated.com, Listen to Bet the Process. Uh, thanks, uh, thanks so much for joining us uh, again, Rufus, and uh, good luck with any Super Bowl bets that you may end up placing. Uh, I'm sure there will be plenty. I'm going to talk myself into it at some point, but thank you guys for having me. Take care, Rufus. Thank you. Two men. $10,000. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On bankroll. We'll get to bagels and locks shortly, uh, but first let's update our betting bankroll. And this was one of those weeks where nothing went our way. Uh, Jeff, you weren't falling asleep to the right golf podcast last week. Nope. Um, you had two bets on Cam Davis, and Davis didn't make the cut. Fortunately, those bets only cost us $30. I cost us more than that with my Chiefs-Bills money line parlay bet. Chiefs won, Bills didn't. We dropped $130. 
Uh, Jeff, you tried a four-prop parlay. Only two of the four legs won. Uh, not enough touchdowns from the Bills or rushing yards from Jalen Hurts. Uh, so we dropped $100 there. And then just when we thought we were done losing for the week, the Oscar nominations came out. And uh, as you mentioned at the top, Danielle Deadweiler was not nominated for Best Actress. We are drawing Deadweiler on that one. <laughs> oh, wow. I, I thought it. I thought I, the chuckle would sound very insincere, but that almost sounded like a real laugh. Oh, that was a real one. You All got right. me. Uh, so anyway, 100 bucks down the tubes on that one. Uh, we didn't have a single winning bet this week. Just a bunch of losers. We dropped $360 for the week. We're now down by $2,167, plus we have 1320 on hold in futures bets. So that leaves us with 6513 available to bet with this week. And you're up first, Jeff. All right, let's head over to FanDuel, a little single game, a two-leg single game parlay. I'm, 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 I'm drawing, you know, I'm reeling it in this week, Eric. Okay, just, a, right. just two legs. Okay, uh, hundred dollars at plus three hundred, anytime touchdown for Hertz, anytime touchdown for McCaffrey. I figure these are the, these are the, these are the team's key cogs. These are the team's mm-hmm. key touchdown scorers. This is the key game of the year. They're both going to get paid dirt. That, that, that's what I'm saying. So 100 bucks at plus 300. Ooh, that's that's a that's a sharp one. I like that a lot, actually. Uh, I'm I should feel like I should pause the podcast now and go bet that before the price changes. I'll, I'll do it when we finish recording. But yeah, that's pretty. You've been you've been putting the McCaffrey touchdown in, into like every bet the last couple of weeks, and it he does keep scoring hitting. touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. you know. So, I mean, all right. That's what, it, what's what the guy does. Um, all right. Uh, actually, I'm going to reverse the order of my bets so that I can uh, stay on theme and follow your. Uh, your same game parlay bet with with one of my own. Um, this is on the Bengals Chiefs game. Um, I've already shared my thoughts on the line and and who I favor to win. Uh, as far as player props, here's what I think. I think Mahomes is going to stay in the pocket like he did the whole second half against Jacksonville. He's going to have to get the ball out quickly. Can't wait for plays to develop and toss bombs. It'll be short and medium passes, and that means lots of Travis Kelsey. And you know that the team's attitude anyway is Travis. We need you. Patrick can't move. You have to carry us. So I like Kelsey to be the primary target in this game even more than he usually is. So I shopped around some Kelsey to score a touchdown and Kelsey over yards. Same game parlays. And here's what I found. At DraftKings, it's over 74 and a half yards with a touchdown for plus 195. At FanDuel, we'd need three more yards. Over 77 and a half with a touchdown pays plus 216. And at points bet, it's over 80 and a half with a touchdown, pays plus 225. I like the middle option, the FanDuel option. Three extra yards takes us from plus 195 to plus 216. So that's the bet. Kelsey touchdown plus Kelsey over 77 and a half receiving yards, $100 to win 216. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Honestly, now I want to merge that bet with my bet. (laughs) Yes, the same game parlay plus. Yeah, I mean for real, you know, like that. I'm that I'm going to do. All okay. Right, good. All right. Next up, I want to take twenty dollars and light it on fire by putting it <laughs> on uh, all quiet on the Western Front to win Best Picture at plus thirty five hundred. I don't think it's going to win. I am very confident that by the time Oscars rolls around, it'll be like definitely like the third favorite. So I think I'm getting value, but. <laughs> I don't think it matters, but I really, I, I, I see what I think is going to happen is I think it's going to win the BAFTA for, for best picture. And then okay. if, it, if it does that, then it's really, then we're going to, then we're going to really be talking. Yeah. 
Uh, all right. So that yeah, and I can do they allow you the option to cash out Oscars bets? Uh, I, not that I've seen. No. But, okay, I was gonna say yeah. this could be a, one of those ones where you put twenty bucks on it now, and we check back into after the Baftas, and they're offering you a hundred bucks or something, and, right. and and we might make the cash out move because you don't actually believe it's gonna win. But um, but yeah, at thirty five hundred. It's 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 worth for only twenty bucks, you know. It, I I think that's worth a shot, and certainly, uh, you mentioned this in in your article that the way that things can change between now and then. The fact that everywhere all at once has all the momentum right now feels like it might be peaking too soon. Yeah. So all right. Um. So for my second bet, I'm gonna have some fun here and make a cross sport parlay. Uh, I'll start with my area of expertise, boxing. Light heavyweight champ Arthur Beterbiev, who is an absolute beast, is taking on Anthony Yard in London on Saturday. Yard is a good fighter, but he has no chance here. I don't even think he has a, much of a chance of not getting knocked out. Uh, Beterbiev is 18-0 with 18 knockouts, and he's knocked out better fighters than Yard. So Beterbiev by knockout is minus 385. It's a good price, but I don't want to risk 385 to win 100. So let's parlay it with something. In the Australian Open, my brother Dave, who follows tennis a lot more closely than I do, gave me a tip a couple of rounds ago that Elena Rebakina, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, or Rebakina, I'm not sure, uh, was a very live dog at plus 340 against the top seed Iga Swiatek. Uh, so I bet on her, and indeed, she won. Uh, Dave said he saw her as the favorite to win the whole tournament after that, so I bet her in the next round again as a minus 200 favorite. She won. And now she's up against Victoria Azarenka tonight as a minus 195 favorite. So we parlay Rabakina to win this match with Better BF by KO, TKO, or DQ. It's minus 110 at the Canby books for that parlay. So let's go 165 to win 150. No other podcast is giving you this particular parlay. I guarantee it. I That's a fair, fair guarantee. <laughs> yes. Definitely. Okay. Uh, now we finish the show with bagels and locks. That's right. We're finishing the show with this. No DFS talk. DFS talk is retired until next football season. So bagels and locks. Great week for the locks last week. Uh, we both covered easily. Jeff with his Eagles minus seven and a half pick. Me with under 46 points in Niners Cowboys. So Jeff is six and five, narrowly beating the VIG. I'm four, six and one, a failure, but you know, within the standard deviation of, of not being a failure. Uh, and I'm first this week with my lock, and it would be Patrick Mahomes under rushing yards if such a thing existed, but it does not. Sportsbooks are not giving us that option, at least not as of Wednesday morning. So, I mean, this is pretty easy for me. I've been on the Bengals all week. I loved them when they were underdogs for a, a hot second there. I still like them as small favorites. Burrow obviously loves playing the Chiefs. Andy Reid loves coming up small in big playoff games. It would be a 50-50 game with a healthy Mahomes. It's wild to me that I only have to give one and a half points with the Bengals still. I don't think I'd even bet the Chiefs at plus three and a half. That's how limited I think Mahomes will be. If he proves me wrong, good for him. But uh, I'm sticking to my guns here. Bengals minus one and a half is the stone-cold lock. And and if you think I'm afraid to say anything about my Eagles, you would be correct. I have no official opinion on that game. In what will be the least scintillating part of this podcast in the history of this podcast, I, too, am locking in the Bengals at yeah. minus one and a half. I just, I mean, that, it's, it, I, I can't not, you know, to me, that's the best bet on the board. As for the Eagles-Niners game, I'll tell you, man, I think 
we're 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 in it on that game, man. I that game, I, I that's like it just reminds me. It's like 1985 somehow, like Madden <laughs> Summerall. It right. feels like it's going to be like one of those games, you know, like just like hard hitting, coming down to the wire, you know, a big play. You know, I I feel like the team that like gets that one big play like wins it. You know what I mean? Uh, I think it's going to be a great game, and I I think both. And I, honestly, I think, I mean. It's not such a far-fetched thing, but I, I do feel like we have the four best teams playing each other right now. Yes, I, I, you know? I absolutely. I, I think that there was some question coming into last week whether whether the, the Bills, Bills would have. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, I, but, and if the Bills won, I think I would have said the same thing. Right, <laughs> right. You know, you know what I mean? But like, it was it's those five teams that were like the cream of the crop this year. And uh, I'm glad that we're, you know, like every Super Bowl matchup to me looks intriguing. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, obviously, there are certain ones I'm uh, I'm pulling for over certain others, but uh, I guess the I agree with you that probably Eagles Niners is going to be a real close game that comes down to one big play. But the one X factor possibility of a blowout kind of thing is if the Eagles defense is harassing Purdy early and he just totally turns into a rookie the rest of the game. I, it just I don't, hasn't happened. Right? It has. It hasn't. It's it was threatening to at points against the Cowboys defense, but they dropped some potential in it. That's kind of the key. If the Eagles are going to drop the one or two bad interception bound passes that he throws, then they're given, then they're given the Niners life and Purdy can continue to, to amaze us. But yeah, I I don't know. I just saying I would be shocked if the Eagles lost by a lot. I wouldn't be totally shocked if they won by a lot. Um, But uh, most likely, yeah, we're looking at a close one, I think. I, I just listen. I just hope they win because my daughter, my she's eleven years old uh-huh. or twelve years old now. She has autism. She is a huge Eagles fan, as it turns out. Like mm-hmm. she won't even let me root for the Giants anymore. She went to <laughs> she went to build a bear, got this Eagles bear. Oh right, right. She's, and and she's under the two games that they lost. She didn't watch. So oh. she so and now she's like the Eagles are going to win, right? I'm like, well, maybe she's like, no, the Eagles are going to win. So they better <laughs> win, otherwise, I got problems. All right. Do it for Jeff's daughter, Eagles. Please, please. All right. (laughs) And that'll do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. And thanks again to this week's guest, Rufus Peabody. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and Jeff at Jeff Edelstein and follow US Bets at US underscore bets. Go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on Megaphone, Apple Podcasts, Spotify or anywhere else. And with that, Jeff, please take us out. You know, talking to Rufus, man, I, you know, I am the worst Buddhist in the world. I, I say, I'm not kidding. I want to be like Rufus when I grow up. I want to be like, I legit want to be Buddhist. I've traveled to Thailand four separate times. I've been to the temples. I've talked to the monks. I have a bookshelf full of like Buddhist books. I know all about Buddhism. I want to be a Buddhist. I want to walk the middle path. I want to understand that life is suffering. As a result, you need to be present at all times. I want to be able to develop my mind, develop my character, but I fail at every turn. Middle path, forget it. I only run hot and cold. Instead of concentrating on the now, I'm always thinking like 10, 30, 50 years in the future, right? My mind and character are, they're lacking, Eric. They are lacking. <laughs> and and this whole concept of like, you know, reincarnation that Buddhists believe, you know, that you go through life a few, few billion times around the wheel and that, you know, eventually you reach nirvana. Listen, if that's true, I am royally freaking screwed because I'm on life like number two, maybe three, <laughs> you know, the way I fucking operate here. Listen, I'm adding failed Buddhists to my resume. That's going to be on my resume going forward right underneath the co-host of, wait for it, a gamble on. <laughs>